0: Hello, I am Mary Ellen Harn and welcome to the 4th episode of the Power of Data podcast series. Today I'm joined by Arindam Chowdhury to talk about the power of data in the banking and capital markets industries. Welcome Arindam and can you share a bit about yourself with our listeners?
1: Hello Mary Ellen, I'm glad to be here. So I have over, you know, 20 years of experience in the data management space uh, with a focus on banking and capital markets. I've been with Capgemini for over 10 years now, You know, had a number of different roles, master data management, uh, big data. And over the last couple of years, I'm responsible for leading the banking and capital market sector for insights and data. Once again, glad to be here.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. And let's just dive right into our questions for our discussion. Starting with, um, given the times that we are living in, it's fair to say that almost all banking interactions now are through digital channels. What are the implications of this for the banking industry, and how is the industry responding to changing consumer preferences?
1: That's a great question, Mary Ellen. So there is absolutely a great change in customer behavior, especially in retail banking and wealth management. You know, customers are engaging more through multiples of digital channels, Uh, You know, as you have probably heard, you know, people are not going to the branches anymore unless they absolutely have to. So this is this is causing a huge change in expectations for banks and, and banks have to enhance digital channels to reach out to customers across you know customer acquisition servicing across the entire customer journey if you will so so these banks are focusing a lot on enhancing the capabilities offered through the digital channels also they're looking at creating a more personalized user experience across the entire value chain so all, in all of this you know knowing more about the customer you know, both through your internal data or first party data, as well as, you know, external data sources such as demographics and so on becomes absolutely critical. Uh, it's, it's almost become a cliche now. Everybody talks about it, that COVID has driven banks to become more digital and customers to become more digital. We are absolutely starting to see that in a big way. Also, you know, banks, uh, when they look at branches, right, they have to kind of reevaluate what branches are going to remain open after this uh, whole uh, COVID thing comes to bear right? Uh, because you know, if, if there is not enough footfall traffic in the branches, they might want to replace with digital channels. They might also want to look at distributing some of the expertise that they have across different branches, as opposed to having dedicated resources to a branch. So a lot of changes in the industry, definitely driven, driven by this uh, whole scenario that we faced in 2020.
0: So overall, in this drive towards digitization, are you seeing uh, the competitive landscape shaping up
1: for banks? Oh absolutely you know so so obviously you know all the banks are uh taking big strides to uh, towards enhancing their digital channels, and in this you know there is there are a couple of factors that really play in one is you know the fintech ecosystem, so when it comes to you know fintechs, they have made a lot of you know technological advances in creating. Uh, great customer experiences, right? And banks are really looking at how they can extend their ecosystem to bring in the fintechs, really partner with the fintechs to, you know, drive more personalization, if you will, right? So, so you know, um, generally speaking, right? Uh, fintechs have, have done a great job when it comes to creating, you know, better customer experience. And, and uh, off late, you know, we have had a few fintechs even receive uh, banking licenses. So the competitive landscape is definitely shook up to a large extent. What is also happening is while the fintechs might be technologically advanced, they don't necessarily have, you know, the deep customer data that banks have through these relationships that they have created over decades of relationship, right? So, so it's a good opportunity for banks to really partner with the fintechs and drive further, uh, advancement of this whole digital ecosystem.
0: So you've mentioned the fintech ecosystem and you've also mentioned the role of data. Um, So what is your perspective of the role of data and why are there bottlenecks for any bank to be competitive and data driven?
1: The challenge, you know, is not new. Right. So what is the biggest challenge is really for banks to get access to trusted data, uh, seamlessly access the trusted data. Right. So data, you know, typically resides within silos, within the banks it could be within individual lines of businesses it could be you know in more regulated data environments if you will right but then when it comes to providing a personalized service customers expect that you know everything or you know the all the facets of the relationship with the bank so it is a challenge. If the data is, you know, physically separated into different silos, it is always a challenge to bring this data together to give that personalized experience. So banks have been trying to solve this, you know, they have been at this for a while, right? And and initially they started off as let's centralize all the data about the customer in one ecosystem so that it is seamlessly available to all the all the you know, different analytics applications, if you will. But then, you know, that ran into its own challenges due to data privacy issues or you know, even issues in getting access to the trusted data. So what we are seeing today is banks are moving towards a more federated data management uh, environment, if you will, where data continues to reside in the lines of businesses where they originated. And they're kind of, they continue to be governed within those lines of businesses, but then you provide a seamless access to the data through you know, extensive use of APIs and other such mechanisms. So it's, a, it's an ongoing journey for sure, and I don't think you know, banks have completely solved it yet, but everybody is focused on solving this problem for the future.
0: All of this has to be done within regulation because the banking industry is really heavily regulated. There also seems to be a proliferation of compliance changes coming up. How are banks adapting to be able to respond to these changes in regulation and what are the best principles that they should follow?
1: That's The regulation is the kind of underpinning of all these, uh, you know, uh, different advancements that they're trying to do uh, when it comes to becoming more digital. So definitely, you know, uh, regulators expect that you're uh, giving the data the privacy that it deserves, right? Uh, There are regulations such as CCPA and GDPR, where, you know, you need to respect the customer's uh, desire to be forgotten by a bank, right? So what that essentially would mean is that the bank has to go in and delete every record that they have associated with a certain customer who wants to be forget, forgotten. And the only way to do that is for, for you to know first and for, foremost, where all within the bank do you have information related to this customer? So banks are, you know, using various approaches. And I think, you know, there is a uh, I I already t- touched upon, you know, centralizing, right. And that But for large banks, you know, that is proving to be too humongous of a challenge to tackle. So they're looking at more federated models, if you will, of where how the data is stored across lines of businesses. But, you know, they are really investing in creating an ecosystem where you can track data across the lifecycle of data through the organization. Right. So they're looking at, you know, metadata as a mechanism to trace data. They're looking at, you know, setting up sound data governance principles and policies they're looking at uh, process mining to even look at processes which are, you know, touching the data. So all of this information needs to be brought together so that you can easily verify the provenance of any data. And that is going to be key to meet your regulatory challenges in a, in a satisfactory way.
0: So, Arinda, you've mentioned the federated model a couple of times. Can you tell us what you mean by that?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I was talking about, you know, federation for data management within banks. And what I really mean by that is, you know, in, in contrast to how uh, banks have tried to deal with this in the past, right? So in the past, you know, banks will try to centralize all the critical data assets into one central physical repository with a central, you know, set of standard set of tools and technologies to deal with the data. Because of the complexity of the ecosystem and how each line of business looks at the data right or even you know finds what data elements more interesting vis-a-vis the other lines of businesses this has proven to be a very complex time consuming and expensive exercise so now a lot of banks have taken a step back and are looking at is there a smarter way to manage this information right and in this context you know federated data management and data governance comes into play where each line of business is going to manage their own data is going to govern their own data but they're going to use a standard set of tools and technologies to manage this data, and they're going to focus on creating, uh, you know, data about the data, right, which is transparent and easily accessible to the organization. So I'm talking about metadata, business metadata, and technical metadata, which can be used to connect this information across the enterprise. So federated management, but, you know, centralized access and control. Also, what is happening is, you know, banks are looking at, using more intelligent automation and AI and machine learning to manage their data, right? So for example, we have seen a proliferation of uh, data quality tools which use artificial intelligence. So instead of using a whole host of you know business analysts to create rules, which might change, and then you have to manually update them again, they're using AI and machine learning driven tools to automatically generate data quality rules based on historical data trends. This, this is a huge efficiency lever, and it helps uh, organizations reach better um, data quality with more trusted data over a period of time.
0: So, so what about scaling their AI-driven innovations? How have banks been able to do this, or how would they do this?
1: That's a great question. So if I look back a couple of years, you know, banks were trying to scale AI and automation by creating centralized uh, COEs or centers of excellence, right? And what they wanted to do through the COEs is make sure that they have a standard set of practices and standard set of tools in approaching AI to solve business problems. But very soon they realized that You know, to to achieve real efficiencies in your business processes, you need like deep business process knowledge, which happens to reside within each of the individual lines of businesses. So, for example, retail banking might look at, you know, certain factors that they want to automate or certain characteristics which are of more interest to them, as opposed to, say, you know, uh, uh, small business lending right so so what what has again happened and i'm going to use the word federated again so ai is now more federated within each of the lines of businesses uh, closer to the business problems that they're trying to solve but then again the centralization that is happening is in terms of tools and technologies that they use a lot of banks are also looking at creating for example analytic sandboxes right and these are shared environments with a standard set of tools, standard set of you know, access to third party and second party party data, uh, standard you know, compliance and governance. But then you know, they, they farm it out to each of the LOBs so that they can use that for their own use cases. Definitely you know, one of the bigger enablers in this whole space has been the, uh, the adoption of cloud within banks. Uh, that is definitely helping with you know organizations scale up their uh, AI operations simply because you know they are able to access compute uh, that that they need in the space, right? So if you want GPUs to run certain uh, applications or ser- certain algorithms, they can provision that on demand and do it much faster than they would do it in, in an on-prem environment.
0: So would you say that we're at a tipping point for cloud adoption by banks?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there are, you know, several factors that is driving that. I think one, uh, definitely the maturity of the data platforms on the cloud, they have come a long way and they are kind of competing or even, you know, exceeding in certain instances, the capability of the on-prem data platforms. Uh, So we have a proliferation of tools like Snowflake, Redshift, and a bunch of others who are really making strides in giving that similar experience, if you will, with the similar scalability and security on the cloud. That's one factor. The second factor is, you know, because of all we are dealing with uh, because of the pandemic, uh, we we definitely look at uh, banks uh, prioritizing cutting costs, you know, um, really looking at, you know, optimizing their spend And moving their legacy data environments to the cloud is a great lever to reduce costs over a longer period of time and also move from, you know, a capex to an opex model, if you will.
0: Very interesting insights. And and thank you for joining me today, Arindam. To our listeners, if you're interested in listening to more of our podcasts or learning more about Capgemini's insights and data capabilities, please check us out on capgemini.com. And thanks for listening today. This is Designing Momentum, a podcast from Capgemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same place as you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, and experts in emerging technology in sport, we'll be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever
1: you find your podcasts.